Gracious God of love, we pray that we will remember you are with us in some overarching way, that the mercy is beneath us, above us, on every side, and we pray that we will see it in our neighbors, what is outside our windows, wherever we are looking now, even if we have to squint to see. Make your love apparent to us as we try to make church on the internet. Amen. Please join with us in singing House of Mercy hymn number 20, Lord, Build Me a Cabin in Glory. God of mercy, we pray for the whole wide world, that we might be united somehow in our shared vulnerability in this pandemic, that coming face to face with our mortality and the fragility of all human arrangements might help us love what is precious in our short lives, help us not to squander our time, help us see ourselves and our conditions more clearly. We pray that recognizing we are not invincible will make us more compassionate and caring for each other and all of creation 
rather than more reckless or more callous. We pray that we will think more and more of our interconnectedness, our collective well-being, rather than being wrapped up in ourselves. If you can guide us in these scary times towards some sort of truth and beauty, we would love that. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, in these times of trial, we pray that you will make yourself known in a love that is beyond any words we have for it, as profound comfort, unexpected peace, hope in the unfathomable to those who are sick and suffering. We pray that you will sit beside those who mourn and grant them whatever they need. We pray especially for Matthew Abst as you are carrying him on in your love. And for Nancy and Helena and all the friends and family who have cherished him and needed him. Stay close to them, pouring out your love, reassuring them that Matthew rests in peace. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. The reading for today is Psalm 20. To the lead player of David's psalm, may the Lord answer you on the day of distress. The name of Jacob's God make you safe. May he send help to you from the sanctuary, and from Zion may he sustain you. May he recall all your grain offerings, and your burnt offerings may he relish. May he grant you what your heart would want, and all your counsels may he fulfill. Let us sing gladly for your rescue, and in our God's name our banners raise. May the Lord fulfill all your desires. Now do I know that the Lord has rescued his anointed. He has answered him from his holy heavens in the might of his right hand's rescue. They, the chariots, and they, the horses, but we, the name of the Lord our God, invoke. They have tumbled and fallen, but we arose and took heart. Our Lord, rescue the king. May he answer us on the day we call. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How to take a hopeful angle in a time of global distress. I did not start out to hunt for angles and their meaning with a view to engendering hope. I pulled volume one, part one, of the Oxford English Dictionary, A through Ant, off the sagging basement shelf. The 1989 second edition, the first completely new edition since its original publication 104 years previously, was given to me as a premium for making a very large pledge to the public radio station. Even at the time, it felt like they hadn't thought this completely through. The shipping cost alone. I never managed one monthly payment. I intended to, 
I was 22. It came with a magnifying glass to help with the tiny print. At times when I want to find meaning by more than stabbing with my right finger, return, enter, I go to the basement bookshelf, a place where volumes find themselves vulnerable, first victims to a Marie Kondo cleansing or any resolution to get rid of all the stuff, the stuff we don't need. Why do we have so much stuff? How did we ever get this much stuff? As if it's the stuff that is the problem. But the OED survived every purge, every move, from the North 50th Street garden-level apartment in Seattle, where I slept on a piece of foam rubber that was the perfect sponge for the always dark and damp, all the way to Berkeley, hauled out of a 68 VW bus, all the way up those stairs, and three years later hauled back down and packed in an 83 Volvo station wagon. All the way to and through St. Paul Apartments and to our little house where we were so grateful to have because wouldn't it be so sweet to have a yard where our babies could take their first steps. First prominently displayed on the bungalow's built-in shelves until a time which I do not recall when it was moved without regard to the basement bookshelves. I thought I was reading the entry for angels. Angels. The messengers of God. I'm dyslexic and I'd lost the magnifying glass a long time ago. I thought the OED was taking a rather poetic approach to their description. I was intrigued. An angel is a figure formed by two rays. I'm thinking light or light and darkness. An angel is a figure formed by two rays sharing a common endpoint called the vertex of the angel. The vertex of the angel. Whoa. Now I'm thinking the OED must be taking this from the Kabbalah or some intertestamental extra-canonical targum. I'm dyslexic. I lost the magnifying glass. And they obviously don't know enough about geometry to recognize when I'm studying it. I really like the idea of the rays and the point where the angel is formed, the messenger of God, the presence of God, the word of God, being formed like an utterance, articulated and emanating from God's lips, traveling along this ray to be present with us, to guide us with this ray of of light, this ray of hope. Okay, to be fair, there is a lot of numerology in Kabbalah. And I think where there are numbers, I mean, there has to be some geometry, Kabbalah is a set of esoteric teachings meant to explain the relationship between God, the unchanged and eternal and mysterious, and the mortal and finite universe. Sometimes I don't pull out the OED and I just Google a thing. Kabbalah literally means correspondence, like a message from the Creator to the created, traveling like a ray of light, a ray of hope. I mean, you know, not bad. I suspected I had made a mistake, that I was reading the wrong entry, 
when I read that an angel could also be used to measure the ratio of the length of a circular arc. I've moved my finger to the next entry and read, but frankly did not find it as compelling. I ended up down this OED hole from following a note in Robert Alter's translation of Psalm 20. The first two lines are, May the Lord answer you on this day of distress. The name of Jacob's God keep you safe. The note suggested that the use of the phrase Jacob's God is the invocation of the name of God, which is used three times in this psalm, and that invoking the name of God was to invoke God's presence or an angel of God coming to protect and defend you, which I liked. On first reading, I really like this psalm. It starts out with a prayer, this prayer request. May the Lord answer you on this day of distress. And the NRSV translate that, translates that verse as, May the Lord protect you in these troubled times, which is a phrase I've been using. And the short psalm ends with this same prayer request again. May he answer us on the day we call. It's nine verses of a prayer, from tr- a prayer for troubled times. Unlike a lot of the psalms, it has this turn in it. The turn is the point in the psalm where the writer, singer, prayer goes from asking for help or salvation, mercy, deliverance, to projecting the future answer to the prayer, envisioning and stating that the help, salvation, deliverance, mercy, stating it as if it is happening and has already happened. After writing in verse 1 through 6, May the Lord answer you, may the Lord save you, may the Lord send help, may the Lord sustain you, may the Lord grant you what your heart needs to fill it, let us gladly sing in our Lord's name for your rescue. And then in verse 7, the psalmist makes the turn. Now do I know that the Lord has rescued his anointed. The Lord has answered. The Lord has sent a messenger a.k.a. an angle from the Lord, from his holy heaven. The Lord has with his right hand rescued. We have tumbled and we fall, but now we stand tall, our hearts filled with rays of light and hope. I love all that. Praying for something and really envisioning all that, all that light and hope and mercy, envisioning that actually being here now. I mean, not in a name-it-and-claim-it sort of way, but in a way that looks beyond the troubled times of now into a time of healing and wholeness and no deaths and suffering from a pandemic where there is no more divisiveness between neighbors about the actual fact of science and imagined violation of individual rights. A prayer that I could pray in these troubled times because I need to pray more. I need to meditate more on some hopefulness, some light and love. I could, I could almost feel my intentions, my spirit, like the psalmist making the turn to be in a place, the place where all prayers are answered, like a, a ray coming out from a point where it was formed, out past me and my prayer, and into the times when these prayers are answered. And if I follow it, and I look along at this ray, I can see nearly to the place and bring all that hope and light and love and mercy back into my present. 
And then I noticed something in the final verse. I hadn't noticed it before. And it reinterpreted the whole psalm. How did I not notice the first, the final verse, O Lord, rescue the king. Answer us on the day we call. Rescue the king. Rescue the king. I don't want this to be about the king. Rescue the king. Now I see that the whole psalm is about the king. The first line, may the Lord answer you in these troubled times. May the angle of the Lord keep you safe. The you in this psalm is the king. Every you in this psalm is the king. May the Lord send you help. The king. May the Lord give you what your heart wants. That's what the king's heart wants. I thought that the you in the psalm was me. I thought the you was, you know, us. But it turns out we, me, are the ones praying to God to rescue the king. I mean, I have an aversion to kings and Caesars and dictators. It just seems like historically they haven't been that great for, you know, nearly everyone else who isn't the king or the Caesar or the dictator. They're not good for the people praying for God to rescue the king. I especially don't want to pray for God to save our king in these troubled times. I know our president is not a dictator or a king, but he does seem like he is... Well, he does a lot that is not good for nearly everyone that isn't him. Pray for him? He's one of the main things I want to pray for God to save us from. Far from praying for him, I might or might not actually have written a satisfying punk rock anthem that contains the repeated phrase, Donald Trump, get corona and die, die, die. Donald Trump, get corona and die, die, die. It's just venting. And even now, though, as I sing it, even as in my head I rehearse the things that he has said and I conjure up a group of mindless followers at who I curl my lip and I think of these followers as they parrot his hateful and dangerous words, I can feel the energy of that hate touch me. I can feel the darkness slip down the back of my throat and find a small nook to make a home in and grow. And I'm struck and I shiver as if struck by a light. I hear this. I hear my grandma saying, prayer doesn't change God. It changes you. And I know, I know, I know I need to pray for God to rescue the king. The king is in really bad shape. The king is lost. The king has a kind of illness that needs a kind of healing that is beyond what I can comprehend. And so do I. So do I have that illness. 
I need to pray for the king so that I may be saved. I need to pray for the king so that I will be changed. The whole grandma saying is prayer doesn't change God, it changes you. And then maybe you can make some of the changes you're praying for. Maybe in the clarity that comes in the practice of this prayer, the room that it makes inside me by shrinking that darkness, that I can find the right angle to work in love to be part of the healing that we're all hoping for. On the night he was handed over to death, Jesus took bread and gave thanks for it and broke it and gave it to his disciples to eat, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave the cup for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all, so that sins may be forgiven. Do this in memory of me. We invite you to share communion during the hymn. Please join with us in singing House of Mercy hymn number 21, When We All Get to Heaven. Encourage the faint-hearted. May the God of mercy surround you, and may you go in peace. Amen. <laughs>